A Sichuan A319 is doing a routine flight to Tibet when disaster strikes. What caused this plane to make an emergency landing? Hey everybody, we have an announcement. We are, as of today, when you're hearing this, on Tuesday... May 18th. We are launching our merch store. You can find all of our logoed merchandise at hardlandingspodcast.com slash merch. And there's several things on there. I put a little note that if there's something you want that you can't find on there to just let us know and we'll look into getting it. But we have everything from t-shirts, hoodies, water bottles, hats, Backpack, blankets, laptop sleeve, placemats, magnets, beach towels, a bunch of stuff from fanny pack. Everything. Okay, so a few things we also want to add. There are additional Patreon benefits because now we can do that. You will get discounts on merch depending on your level from five to twenty. So our $5 tier, which is our business class tier, will receive a 5% discount. Our first class tier, which is the $10 level, will receive a 10% discount. And the $20 level, or our flight crew level, will receive a 15% discount. In order to use this discount, patrons, you will have to purchase the merchandise using the email address that is attached to your Patreon account. That way, no one else can steal the discount code or whatever have you it is you paid for the discount you get to use it along with that change to the patreon benefits we are also sending out merch for when you first become a patron yeah so patrons get a new benefit now yeah physical stuff (laughs) so right now as the way things stand our flight crew tier gets to have the 20 dollars patches that's the only thing we've been sending out so far updates to that so any patron will receive a sticker pack from us free of charge and anyone at the five dollar tier up will receive a logoed pin the ten dollar and up will start receiving the patches and then the twenty dollar tier will receive a custom notebook that is entitled flight crew so all sorts of exciting stuff yeah so go ahead check out the merch again that is hardlandingspodcast.com forward slash merch It does help us. It helps fund keeping things going. And if you can't be a patron, because some of you may be doing the $10 a month, $5 a month, whatever, it's too much for you. We get it. You can just go buy a t-shirt or something. Yeah. And then you get to show off our swag, which is cool. (laughs) And we do want to thank all of you because this would not have been possible without your contribution, whether that be time or Patreon subscription. So thank you, everyone. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Check it out. And here is your continued episode. Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. And just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. definitely not Brendan. (laughs) Okay, so story time. Um, Brendan was supposed to be on here. And then we had a series of events happen where we didn't record for two and a half weeks. (laughs) And he's sick (laughs) currently. Not feeling so great. So Nick filled in for Brendan, who's filling in for Nick. (laughs) 
I always offered that I would just go back anyways and do this. I'm also filling in some of the parts that Brendan was supposed to fill in for Nick. Only because if I had known in advance that I would was going to do this, I probably would have done all those parts. But but I we also figured this out at like mm, 9 o'clock today. Yep, and we had to work today, so... <laughs> My notes are going to be great. It's been a fun couple of weeks, friends. Yeah. I feel like we said that a couple of weeks ago, but the same thing happened again, and I really hope it doesn't happen more, <laughs> because it it's... makes me want to jump off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so, we do want to preface this episode in particular. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is our first report that we've had to run through Google Translate. And that, you know, is so good at translating. It's better at translating some languages than others. It, not this one. Chinese is not <laughs> one of those. So, with that being said... We're doing our best. Yes. Thank you to our patron Chris, as well as Dottie on Instagram, for recommending this crash. Incident. Incident. There we go. Incident. So, what are we covering today, Nick? Today, we are covering Sichuan Airlines Flight 8633. So, this one's really, really recent. Actually, very, very. This one happened on May 14th of 2018. Oh, yeah. That's pretty recent. The report was released in June of 2020. Oh, well, look at that. (laughs) Not our most recent. No. Not our most recent, but But it is pretty close. Almost a year ago. And you will also be getting flashbacks to some of our previous episodes. As I feel like always happens at this point. No, No, but this one's like... It's intense flashbacks. Also, this is nearly an anniversary episode, because this releases on Tuesday, it's on the 18th, and the this would have had, this happened on the 14th. Oh, yep. so close. Three years ago. Days. Yep. Three years and four days. This was an Airbus A319 with a tail number Bravo-6419er. This was a flight from, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Chongqing Jingbei International Airport to Lhasa Gangar Airport in Tibet. So this was an entirely inner China flight, but between different regions. Tibet, obviously, Himalayas, very different region, much higher, much more desolate, but it's coming from a, a much larger city in China. Gotcha. Captain was Liu Chuanjian. No other information. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Literally couldn't find anything. Um, they're probably still flying. That's part of it. Well, this also is China. Yes. So. There is that. The first officer was Xu Ru, Ru Chen. Oh, boy. Oh That's going to be what it's going to be. There were actually three flight crew members on this flight. There was a second captain, and I have no information about him. Okay. Was it a particularly long flight? Mm, no, not and really. Why the heck did they have another captain on board? <laughs> was maybe it just for the, a jump pilot? Maybe for the return flight because oh, maybe maybe the other pilot was going to time out yeah. or something. There were also five cabin crew members, and this is on an A319, which just blows my mind. That's a lot of cabin crew members for an A319. Yeah, we've been on A319s before, right? Yes, yes. Frontier. They're like really the shorter. Small. We the sh- have like three at most. Yeah, they're the. Sh- I'm not going to say the shortest, but they're the shorter of the A320 family. Hmm. You have the A321, the longest. The A320, the standard. The A319, the short. And then there was the A318, the special short, super short. There's not very many of those. <laughs> Miranda's an A318. <laughs> I was waiting for it. We all fit into this A320 family somewhere. 
there was one security officer, they called that out, and 19, <laughs> and 119 passengers on board. The captain was to be the pilot flying for this flight, and the first officer was to be the pilot monitoring. The aircraft departed its origination airport at a normal time. Normally, don't know what time, didn't say. <laughs> great. Things are great. At 6.56 a.m. and 46 seconds, the flight reached 32,000 feet and then maintained there. That was its cruising altitude, though they didn't specify that. 7.07 a.m. and 5 seconds as the flight was 2.2 nautical miles west of Mikos, or M-I-K-O-S. It's one of the waypoints. When suddenly, the windshield in front of the first officer cracked. It cracked? It cracked. It spiderweb cracked. I didn't even know... Windscreens on... Oh, absolutely. I didn't even know that could happen. I oh, thought yeah. it was such thick glass. It is. And actually, primarily, that's why usually the glass doesn't shatter all the way through. It's so safety it's, glass. It's kind of... It's, it's, it's kind of like an aquarium. Yes. Where, like, it could crack on one side, but it's so thick that it won't affect the other side. Basically. So it is it's double layered. paint. I can yes. tell you that for sure. In between the panes is actually heating elements, and this typically is what happens to Airbus or Boeing airplanes. This is this actually happens a lot more regularly. You just don't usually hear about it because it's kind of a non-incident. They crack, they land the plane, they replace the window. Ah, pretty much how that goes. It's also not been unheard of. Like you can Google pictures. I think there was a Delta flight a couple years ago that flew through a hailstorm. No, oh, was I a remember United, that, but that makes flight. sense. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. the mm-hmm. The nose cone was all jacked up, and the windows were all cracked. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because they went through a hailstorm. That happens every now and then uh, too. But this, they were just at cruising altitude, and it just yeah. And it was crack. a clear. It was actually a clear day. You you ready for my phrase? I'll get into it. Oh, yeah, great. we should have a shirt that says. <laughs> so along those lines, simultaneously, the ECAM, the electronic centralized aircraft monitor. There you go. Basically, it tells you everything about. Everything about the airplane. Right, especially Airbus. <laughs> yes, these days it is the literally centralized uh, monitoring system. It tells you everything. It tells you everything about the airplane, everything that's wrong, everything that's gone wrong. So simultaneously, the ECAM displayed, quote, anti ice R windshield, as in the right windshield heating system had failed because it had well, cracked. Because it cracked? Yeah, that so, makes sense. This wasn't necessarily a surprise because that does happen. Occasionally, it's known to happen. So that's kind of like, okay, the anti system shattered it. Three seconds later, a bang is heard as the windshield cracked more. A second later, the captain stated that he was taking control of the airplane. And on a side note, <laughs> what the report actually said when translated... What, when translated. <laughs> was, I... Was it operate? I operate. I operate. I operate. That was all he said. <laughs> according to the According to the translation in the report. I'm pretty sure what he says is, I have the controls. Is what or that was something supposed. to that effect. Something to that effect. It's basically him saying, I have the controls. I thought he was the pilot flying, though. He is pilot flying, but it was on autopilot. So he was saying uh, that he's taking control it, of the from airplane. From the autopilot. Okay, Basically. Eight seconds later, the crew informed the Chengdu Regional Control Center that their windshield had cracked and that they were going to begin a descent. Safe, you know, just in case. A moment later, the captain decided to begin a diversion to Chengdu. At 7.07 a.m. and 45 seconds, an enormous bang is heard as the windshield in front of the first officer separated from the airplane and flew away, oh. causing a rapid decompression. At that time, all other windshield heating elements showed as failed in the ECAM system, as well as a myriad of other issues. 
Um, how about no window? <laughs> no window's a good one. No window's gone. You know, no the window's, window's not there. No window's gone. Uh, person gets sucked out of airplane? Yep. Uh, seems a lot like British Airways 5390. Yeah. So Which, actually, fun cr- fact, was right next to this one before, and then we had to move stuff around, so. Yes. So we did plan on having these two episodes side by side, and schedules Changed happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> The autopilot was disconnected a second later, but the captain had control of the airplane. Meanwhile, the first officer was sucked headfirst through the window, but he managed to grab the inside of the frame, and his seatbelt also managed to help keep him from flying completely out of the airplane. So from what I understand from this report is they did not have their shoulder harnesses on, Correct. but they had their seat, they their had their lap, lap belts. belts on. This is yep. standard. Once you're up at cruising altitude, it's kind of like, mm, nothing's probably going to happen. Probably. Why do we need it? So actually, this is really standard. Um, they don't usually wear it. <laughs> yeah. They don't usually wear it. Most, that's standard across the industry. They just don't. Once they're above and they're up towards the cruising altitude, harnesses come off, and they just have a lap belt. The captain put the airplane into a, a series of rapid descents, and then since they were over the mountains, they couldn't descend all the way to the required altitude for it for the loss of cabin pressure yeah, for normally. For breathing altitude. For breathing yeah. altitude, you know. Which is 10,000 feet. Yep. And a lot of the area around there was well above 10,000 feet, the land. Well, they're going to Tibet, right? So they're in yes. the Himalayas, so that doesn't surprise For me. reference, the airport they were going to is at 11,000 feet. So <laughs> yeah. there wasn't any descending to 10,000 feet. <laughs> That's, you hit a mountain. That's what that is. Yes. The auto throttle was then disconnected. The captain fought hard and then began heavily controlling the airplane, changing directions quickly and adjusting thrust rapidly, until finally the first officer was sucked back into the cockpit and into his seat. Yes, believe it or not, that what? is basically what happened. It, was it physics? I don't, I don't 100% understand that. So I'll get a little more into it later um, as far as their speeds go, but they're not going slow. Not at all. In their descent. So with the air pushing him literally back into the cockpit. I guess that's a good thing. But it's also what keeps them alive and conscious. I yep. guess that's true. So yeah. that I will get a little more into. Moments later, the cockpit door burst open and many items began flooding out of the passenger cabin and out the front window. Yes, past the crew, right through the front window. Which I will also get more into. A yes. crew, wait, a crew member? No. Just stuff from the cabin. Oh. Wait, there's no... What, what happened to the cockpit door? <laughs> the cockpit door? door burst open. What? Wait. This pressure. Is, this is 2018, right? Yes. Yep, they pressure. have, like, the heavy-duty door. Yes. Yeah, but pressure changes, man. Strong stuff. Physics that is, much? Physics is strong. Yeah, so the cockpit door slammed open. Destructively so, which I will also get more into later. That's horrifying. We'll watch a video in a little while. I'll, I'll explain that more in a little bit. Okay. The passenger oxygen masks deployed while the crew donned their own oxygen masks in the cockpit. That's what it said. I don't know. Is that not true? The first officer did. Okay. The captain was unable to. So oh. the Airbus is, it okay. is not a yoke. It is basically it's a, a joystick. side stick. Yeah. And he could not get his oxygen mask on with one hand. Yeah. Oh. It is a two-handed operation because it's above their head. You have to reach up, pull down with two hands. Oh. Because of that, the captain went this entire flight without his oxygen mask. Oh, that's really dangerous. Mind you, the first officer had his, so. Well, that's good, but not great Yeah. Uh, hypoxia. I can't imagine 
doing anything with the amount of adrenaline that first officer has gone through. Having, having gone you through an open window. You almost got sucked out the window. Yeah. And then you got sucked back in the window. Feeling air and speeds and cold that no human has probably ever felt before. Except for yeah, one, one person. And he doesn't but really remember this one, it. this person was far more conscious. Yes. Um, do you speak at all about the who joins them in the cockpit? I do know that the second captain did join them in the cockpit so after the cockpit door blew open the second captain went into the cockpit and i'll get a little more into that later saw what was happening and rather than trying to take control of anything he did his best to keep the crew awake and alert so he was rubbing their shoulders slapping their shoulders making sure they were alert and able to fly why didn't he just get the oxygen mask for the captain. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm I'm also not sure that that didn't happen at some point. That Again, this 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 report was just super clear. Yeah. <laughs> about so everything. Super clear. Yeah. I mean, so fun fact, it's in Chinese. We we don't speak Chinese. So maybe it did happen, but it would surprise me that he came in to help them to stay awake and not help the captain with his oxygen mask. It also doesn't surprise me because they were able to act quickly such that the captain was conscious the whole time. Mm-hmm. All the well, the air traffic controller is trying to make contact with the flight again, especially after they noticed the rapid descent the airplane was making. Rapid enough that the captain could breathe. Yes. We'll talk about how rapid here in a moment. Okay. The flight crew wasn't able to hear any transmission or communication by voice, and they couldn't communicate with each other because, you know, noise in the cockpit from wind. Rushing in. Whoosh. At 7.09 a.m. and 26 seconds, the maximum descent rate was reached of 10,279 foot per minute down. Holy shit. <laughs> so when I say it's a rapid descent, that kept the captain... They were pretty much, like, nose... Like, vertical. Straight down. So the captain, because of that, there was enough oxygen in the cockpit, he was able to stay awake and alert. And they, wow. yeah, they descended very quickly. As the airplane reached 24,072 feet, the airplane began leveling off. At 7.16 a.m. and 40 seconds, the airplane remained above 23,600 feet, but then began descending. 7.19 a.m. and 25 seconds, and 7.19 a.m. and 32 seconds, the crew made two different radio calls to the air traffic controller, declaring Mayday an emergency. Yes. The air traffic controller responded and gave the flight instructions. However... The crew didn't hear any of it. Uh, yeah, because there's a, a lot of air Yep. rushing into the cockpit. Yep. 7.19 a.m. and 56 seconds, the airplane began descending again. At 7.20 a.m. and 17 seconds, the flight crew reported the loss of cabin pressure to the air traffic controller. And nine seconds later, the flight crew reported that they were diverting directly to Changju, is the nearest airport. They were very close, actually. 7.20 a.m. and 44 seconds, the air traffic controller instructed a descent to 3,600 meters. It was really weird. The report kept switching between meters and feet. Yes. I am aggravated by this fact. Yes. It was not one, not the other. It was both. They would just switch. That's every dumb. Night. Yeah. They wouldn't, like, give you both together either. They weren't like, this, which is also this. They were like, nope, this. Deal with it. <laughs> they were instructed to descend to 3,600 meters and hold there but the crew did not hear this or reply to that message yet again 
7.22 a.m. and 36 seconds as the airplane was 2.7 nautical miles west of the CZH. VOR, I assume, is what it is. They didn't clarify, but it's for Chengju. And they're at 12,000 feet, for the record. Around 12,000 feet. Yes, this is also almost two minutes later. So they probably descended. Well, they were still descending, but they weren't at 12,000 feet. That's what they were instructed to go to. Oh, they were instructed to go to 12,000 feet. Yeah, they were still descending, because I was going to say, my next statement is much higher than that. 7.22 and 36 seconds as the airplane was 2.7 nautical miles west of the CZHVOR. They began descending below 4,800 meters. Which is... Much higher. Oh, 4,800 would help. Uh, 15,700 feet. There you go. At 7.24 a.m. and 20 seconds, the, Cheng- the Chengdu AT- air traffic controller reported the inbound emergency to the Chengzhou airport. Sorry, this is all very confusing. Yeah. Chengdu Thanks, is one of the biggest Chinese. cities in central China. And Chengzhou is a smaller one, smaller city. And Chengdu handles all the major air traffic control in the region, kind of like Denver handles a large portion of the United States. Right. So kind of that same thing going on here. 7.27 a.m. and 39 seconds. The the cabin pressure finally began dropping below 10,000 feet into the safe zone. 7.28 a.m. and 33 seconds. The flap handle was set to position 1. So they were preparing for an approach. 7.28 a.m. and 48 seconds, the landing gear was lowered. 7.29 a.m. and 20 seconds, the flaps were set to the 2 setting. 7.29 a.m. and 39 seconds, the cabin altitude warning finally extinguished as they had dropped below 8,298 feet. At 7.30 a.m. and 14 seconds, the flight is told to proceed to runway 0 to right by the approach controller, I think. (laughs) I couldn't quite tell I if that's assume. what he was actually instructing them, but I'm pretty sure that's what he told them to do. Okay. Yeah. The crew replied that they would proceed to zero two right, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems pretty uh-huh. concurrent, so uh-huh. we're just going to assume that's what happened. <laughs> Four and a half minutes later, the APU main switch is turned on. A minute later, the flap handle is set to position three. Yes. Three out of four. Is that like 30 degrees? What are the detent settings? Good question. On the Airbus, it's all different. Because they're just, they would just call out flaps one, flaps two, flaps three, flaps four. Oh. I think three, I think three might be 30 degrees, although I'm not sure. So I found one forum, so obviously very reliable. Mm-hmm. One is 10 degrees, two is 15 degrees, three is 30 degrees, and full is 35 degrees. These are also relatively re- that normal increments. sounds correct. Yeah. So I think three is 30. Okay. Pretty. Uh, I don't know. We didn't really have to go through that, but. That's fine. <laughs> Someone, Anyways. some pilot is listening and screaming at us. Sorry. It's fine. To that one pilot that flies Airbus. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. More to the point. 7.37 a.m. Oh, and 32 well. seconds. Yeah. The flight is cleared to land by the approach controller, I think. <laughs> Guys, seriously, like we're working on something that we'll get to it later, but it's so not. I know we've already said it a lot. Christy's gonna go through something later that you're like, oh, okay, that's that's where we're at. To be fair, there was a couple of times where like the sentence was super coherent, and I was like, wow, that almost read in English. Like, (laughs) and then most of the other ones were like, "Mm." kind of. You try. I think this is what that says. So I found another one that says it's 0, 10, 
15, 20, 35. Okay. So, so it's 20 or 30 degrees. Somewhere in that range. <laughs> At 7.41 a.m. and 5 seconds, the flight touched down on runway 02 right hard as they landed above their maximum landing weight. Well, yeah, they just took off not that long ago. Yep. Which led the tires to burst upon landing. Ah, I see. <laughs> yep. The airplane also took quite a bit of time to slow down because it was Even heavy. Even with the pop tires? Mm, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, did the gear collapse? or No. Nope. So they're just it getting, getting across with metal gears. That melted. Yeah. This is actually pretty common on the air. <laughs> Not the pop tires, just the scraping metal. There's famous videos you can find. There's a JetBlue flight that was caught on camera. Super famous. Most people have probably seen it. I watched it live. Oh, look at you. There's also quite a few other times. If you look it up, just... If you look up, like, Airbus front landing gear stuck, you'll find plenty of pictures of... It getting stuck sideways. Literally half-shaved landing gear. Shaved flat. Anyway. Anyways. The airplane took some time to stop, but finally came to a stop by the... Echo 8 intersection, so by the Echo 8 taxiway, which is pretty far down the runway. Yeah, but they didn't go off the end of the runway. They did not, thankfully. Actually, they did quite quite a good job, all things considered. 7.44 a.m. and 6 seconds, the crew contacted the tower to report that they could not taxi, and they would be evacuating there. There was... They also reported that there was an injury to one flight crew and one cabin crew. Okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Well, the flight crew is probably the first officer. Yes. Uh, yep. So the first officer, <laughs> his right eye had scratches, his left upper arm had scratches, and his right, the back side of his right calf had scratches. Yeah. Because he sense. was thoroughly scratched. They wrote contusion, but that is pretty much scratches. Contusion I is mean, like any injury. He got yeah, pretty out of much. A window. The fact that he's still alive is like wow. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, while the captain was performing some of these heavy maneuvers, primarily to get the first officer back into the cockpit, uh, the cabin crew was standing. Oh, no. The number five flight cabin crew suffered compression fractures to his spine, or their spine. Oh. Minorly injured, though. Ow. Turns out that was considered minor injury. My spine aches now. Yeah. (laughs) So both were considered minor injuries, and everyone else was uninjured. So that's good. Overall, pretty good turnout considering the situation. Now I'll let you get into exactly how bad the situation actually was because yes. that already sounds bad enough, but a lot more happened than what I said. Oh well, that's nice. So this investigation was performed by the Civil Aviation Administration of China with the help of Airbus and Sichuan Airlines. Both black boxes were recovered since uh, the tail had no obvious damage. I would hope not. Along with those two black boxes, the Digital Aircraft Integrated Data Systems Recorder was recovered, which records more parameters than the Flight Data Recorder, or FDR. Investigators immediately began inspecting the aircraft and assessing the damage. Oh, look, there's no window there. None. The right windshield... And part of the first officer's dashboard were missing. Do you see the big giant piece of dashboard missing? Uh, yeah. I have another picture. It is gone. It is completely gone. So the middle, which is the autopilot, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> so, was ripped up. So the right windshield and part of the first officer's dashboard were missing along with the following items. The first officer's headset, 
you know, makes it hard to talk to air traffic control. Sucked right off his head. Well, yeah, if you got sucked out the front, makes sense. Mm -hmm. This next one, I'm not sure if it's a weird translation or not, but a flight attendant's boarding pass. Sure. The captain's electronic flight bag, which sucks because that's an iPad. Yep. Yeah, that's how they get charts and stuff. Thankfully, first officers was still there because they had to get charts for Chengju, which they weren't super familiar with. So that actually helped them get them all the way to the airport without actually talking to anybody because they couldn't hear anything. Also missing, uh, the curtains going back to first class, and many pillows from first class. They were all sucked right out the front window. So wow. you, so Nick actually asked this when I first was reading the report. You may ask if the passenger may have just taken the pillows, but I will address that later on because the answer is no. The flight control unit in between the captain's and the first officer's dashboard was tilted upward on the right side from the force of the first officer's dash being sucked out of the airplane. Uh, yeah. Yep. On a jagged edge of that FCU was a blue fiber, which seems odd. It looks like the same fiber from the seat. It Or the seats were blue, so I'm making an educated guess. Oh, uh, what the heck? It was later analyzed and found to be a torn piece of the curtain from first class. Sucked the, right out the window. Oh. As the curtain from first class went right through the door nice. and then out the window. Upon inspecting the outside of the plane, it was found that the tires had burst on the right main landing gear, and the wheels had melted from the heat of going down the runway. Ooh. Given the situation, it made sense that they burst, and it is not a situation like last week, because the aircraft landed way too heavy and fast. Investigators confirmed that the tires burst because they landed heavy and fast, and the brakes took on more than they could handle, getting super hot and causing the tires to fail. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Once the windscreen failure had occurred, 13 of the 17 circuit breakers on one of the circuit breaker panels all popped. Oh. This panel is right next to the cockpit door. Yeah, you might have you might have remembered that I, I said there was a myriad of things that popped up. Yeah. Airbus concluded that the huge impact from the cockpit door slamming open caused some sort of mechanical trip rather than an actual electrical failure. So literally, it just shook them loose. Ooh. Pretty much. They all popped out. Uh... Yep. That's not great. Nope. Some of the systems impacted by this included the automatic brakes. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> numbers one, two, and five, and the reverse thrust. Which are all things you need to slow down at an airport when you <laughs> land. I don't mean to laugh, but like, of course, the thing that would help them stop They're is the landing thing that was heavy, they're landing fast, they're landing with no windshield, and they have nothing to slow down. They have no reverse <laughs> thrust, and no auto brakes, and no spoilers. They do have manual brakes, thankfully, and they have yes. some spoilers. I did mention that the brakes were used. Yes. So. Well, yeah, but I if. Didn't... Uh, I didn't find anything that said if they actually were able to use thrust reversers or not. I didn't either. But they managed to come to a stop on the runway, so wait. Uh, well, if the, thrust, <laughs> if the thing that controlled the thrust reversers was tripped, uh, my guess would be no. Could be that the melted landing gear helped with drag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, it's like when you drag your car with a flat tire. Yeah. It doesn't go very far. Not nowhere near as fast or far, yeah. Yeah. So... Although I alluded to it, some of you may be wondering why the crew was able to still function effectively at such a high altitude. After all, they didn't have pressure in the cabin anymore, and the cockpit and cabin should have been freezing. Yeah. The plane was flying at Mach 0.76 when the windshield failed. Fast. 
and some of the back of the napkin calculations led investigators to find that the pressure in the cockpit at that speed and altitude was 399 hectopascals, or the equivalent pressure of 7,200 meters or 23,600 feet of altitude, significantly better than their actual height of 32,000 feet. So basically the amount of oxygen in the cockpit is more like they were at 23,000 feet rather than 32,000 feet. So it's kind of that whole like back pressure thing? Yes. It turns out that the regulation system in the plane was able to help maintain heat as well, helping to prevent frostbite despite the air outside being negative 48.7 degrees Celsius or negative 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Ouch. Ooh. Basically, the plane was like, hey, it's really cold in here. I'm going to crank on the heat. I think like sitting in the first officer's seat and having just like 400 miles a- miles an hour of air slamming, slamming into your in face. Slamming your face. Ugh. As I mentioned, the captain was unable to get his mask on with one hand, so he went without and dove. He reached a maximum descent rate of 10,279 feet per minute at a speed of about 350 knots. That's really fast. Yes. They reached 23,700 feet a little over two minutes from the burst and slowed to 250 knots. They then proceeded with the overweight landing checklist. Ultimately, they were not exposed to the high-altitude, hypoxic environment above 10,000 feet for more than 3 minutes and 12 seconds. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. The altitude was at 32,000 feet at burst, which is a time of useful consciousness of 1.5 to 2.5 minutes, and they were in that risk bracket for about a minute and 21 seconds. The next bracket has five to six minutes of useful consciousness, and they were in that bracket for 23 seconds. Diving fast. (laughs) And the bracket from 18,000 to 22,000 feet has a time of useful consciousness of 10 to 15 minutes. More than enough time to get to a safe altitude. For more information on hypoxia, we cover that in episode 73. Yeah. Helios. Yes. The investigators took time to praise the crew for their quick actions through the emergency and working well together using... Crew. Resource management. R-M. Ta-da! We have shirts. We have shirts. This included the second captain, who was in the cockpit, slapping the shoulders of the crew to encourage them, as well as rubbing their shoulders and arms to keep them from being cold. When he was still in first class, the captain already felt the effects of hypoxia, which he recognized from his experience parachuting in the mountains. Interesting. Whereas the captain and first officer did not recognize the effects as they were still able to function with clear consciousness, or so they thought. Right. Wow. So, handy uh, second captain there. Yep. Why would you parachute? Never mind. (laughs) You know what? People do weird stuff. I know. Like jump out of planes. Yep. David. David. (laughs) So... Now you're probably all like, why? Answer the question. Why did the windshield fail yeah, in the first what place? What <laughs> happened to the windshield? Yeah. We, we get it, but like, what happened? So a couple of possibilities come to mind. External damage, glass quality, improper maintenance and repair. Cough, cough. Pretty sure. <laughs> guess what? We can probably guess from here. There was no evidence of lightning strike, hail, or bird strikes that could have caused such an intense failure of the windshield, especially that they were at 32,000 feet. Yeah, birds don't fly that high. No. So, what caused the right windshield to fail? Similar to British Airways Flight 5390, investigators turned to the remaining windshield for clues. Investigators removed the left windshield and inspected the bolts and fasteners and found nothing out of place. So that's good. Okay, but then what happened? However, the weather seal 
was found to have damage exceeding the allowable limits of the maintenance manual. The Z-bar was exposed, and the silicon seal, from what I understand from the poor translation, was cracked. To add to the investigation, a total of 18 computer systems were removed from the aircraft for analysis, and that's when a particular fault message was found in the memory. 561000R windshield. That code means that something had failed in the windshield heating film. To figure out what the heck this meant, some poor soul had to piece together the remaining glass fragments in the world's worst jigsaw puzzle ever. You're telling me. And found, from what I understand, that the fracture began at the leading end of the heating wire for the film. Wait, they found the... The the windshield? There are fragments, such that they can piece together enough to figure out where the fracture started. They actually found some of them in the engine. Oh, well, I I guess that that makes sense. It went through the engine, much of it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I know I've offered you all a lot of mechanical explanations for fractures, but I've not studied heat damage to chemically treated glass. (laughs) And the report didn't offer me much to learn. pretty specific, yeah. So you'll have to just settle with that really crappy explanation. I'm sorry. Now, there is a junction box of wires at this spot, again, from what I understand, and there are supposed to be six wires in there labeled A, B, C, D, E, F. The wires found were A, B, D, E, and F. Oh. Hey, we're C. We're C. (laughs) C was missing, disconnected at the root. Not super surprising, given that the windshield was, um... Torn off? Gone. But what was more surprising was the state of the remaining wires. The insulation sheets were corroded. What do we know happens when wires are exposed to the air? Arcing. Arcing. Refer to episode 9, Swiss Air 111. Yes. They arc. An arc is a spark. I I said that. That's good. (laughs) In dry conditions, it's a quick snap of a spark, similar to when you shock someone after walking around with socks on carpet. And it creates little molten balls of metal on the wire. But in humid environments, where water becomes part of the equation, you get a continuous arc. And this was evident on wire A, because you do not get the little molten balls. Ta-da! No, you do not. It turns out that planes fly in uh, humid environments. Yes. All the time. Yeah. And actually, not just at sea level. It turns out you also can get a lot of humidity up high. Turns out there's a thing called clouds. Yeah. <laughs> With water. Well, yes. But even up at like cruising altitude, there's there can be a certain amount of moisture crystallized yep. in the air. Well, how did the wires even get exposed to the humid environment? Well, you remember I mentioned the cracked weather seal? Uh, That's important. How? Super important. Now, here's where I'm really unclear. It's hard to tell from the report how exactly the seal failed. Or how often that should be inspected, if inspectors just missed it, etc. I feel like this is a really crucial piece of the puzzle that never really got addressed in the analysis. So, we'll wait on that. The wires showed signs of heat damage, molting, oxidation, carbonization, etc. Why is that important? It shows sure signs that the windshield was overheating. When the double layer structure was exposed to the high local temperature, with the cold temperature on the outside, it... To put it succinctly, burst. I'm going to wait for conclusions to put some of this together more succinctly because the analysis is poorly translated in some places and gives me a headache. That is what I wrote in my script sitting in an airport. (laughs) So, not that it was super pertinent to the investigation, but I found it slightly comedic. 
the first officer's missing dashboard was found about two months later, along with pillows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. Passengers did not take their pillows. They were uh, ejected. Yep, they were thrown to the ground from 32,000 feet. So we gotta take a brick break. We're gonna watch a video during this brick break. And uh, we'll go. We're gonna come back with some stuff. Some stuff. Yep. Some stuff. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get thirty? Thirty. Ready to get thirty? Ready to get twenty? Twenty. Twenty. Ready to get twenty? Twenty. Ready to get fifteen? Fifteen. 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 Just fifteen bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. So during the break, we watched a clip from a Chinese-made movie entitled The Captain. I think it was made in twenty nineteen. It was. So, a lot of interesting things here. So, these these pilots were hailed as heroes. As they should be. I mean, they got this airplane to the ground safely after doing some crazy stuff. And no one really was badly injured. Right, exactly. And so, what I find really interesting about this movie is, okay, it's, it's a little cheesy. It's definitely very, very dramatic. Don't get me wrong. What actually happened was very dramatic. But, I mean, this has the typical movie drama... However, I will say one thing. Of all movies I've ever watched, like actual like Hollywood-style movies, obviously this isn't Hollywood, but Hollywood-style movies, this was by far and away the most accurate depiction of anything I've ever seen in aviation in a movie. By far. Even more so than Sully. Sully was very good. But this, and the reason for that is because... They used... They used a Sichuan A319. The airline let them use one for the movie. And the crew were involved in helping them make this movie. That's insane. And so everything that you see in the movie, the crew wanted to get right. <laughs> they wanted to depict what actually happened. And so you, if, you, if you go watch this clip, a lot of the things that are actually told in the story that are in the report are in this movie. <laughs> because like, as far as the flight attendants were standing... And you can see all the different things that they did, the different maneuvers that they did. The glass goes into the engine. You can see the way that the first officer was sucked back in. You can see all of the actual controls in the airplane. You can see that the the captain actually attempts to use some sort of oxygen or change something. And there's it's just amazing because they use a real A319, so you can see all the real systems on the real airplane that this actually happened to. And it, it just it, it depicts this very, very, very well, if you ask me. So, as far as movies go, like, yes, there's still going to be always a little bit of inaccuracies, but man, this was pretty good. Also, we talked about, uh, you know how whenever you're on a commercial flight, they tell you to keep your seatbelt on even when you're seated? Do that. This is why, in case something like this happens, because people can get sucked out of airplanes, um, and you can get hurt, or even, like, uh, they had some people, like, get thrown to the ceiling and, and right. stuff like that. Well, because in the actual incident, I mean, there there were, you know, they were up at cruising altitude. All of a sudden, there was just kind of a change of noise, people noticed. And then all of a sudden, the airplane went into a sudden dive. And, you know, that normally doesn't happen at cruising altitude. Like, there was nothing said, and the flight attendants were all caught off guard and thrown to the ceiling. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, keep your seatbelt on, when, even when... You think everything's fine. Even when the seatbelt sign is off, if you're seated, keep your seatbelt on. Because they can turn it on at any time. 
and you don't know. Like, something can happen, and the pilots probably have complete control, but that doesn't mean that they can control where you go. And, and you they can't control where luggage goes, and so, like, being in the aisle for no reason, not great. And mind you, the kinds of speeds that airplanes go at, I mean, it takes the smallest movement to change a lot of Gs. Yeah, imagine uh, <laughs> driving your car on a really, really fast on a highway, times that by a billion. Yeah. That's pretty much how that works in an airplane. And it's called a hyperbole. <laughs> yes. All right. So now I'm going to get into the conclusions, not the findings, the it, conclusions. Yeah. Mine says investigation findings after conclusions. Yes. Yes. So I am going to kind of do a mix of reading them verbatim as well as making them sound more English-y, though I will throw in some <laughs> verbatim things because, oh boy. I can oh, summarize, Betsy. and I will summarize the recommendations and the safety actions. Oh, good! I, I don't have to do that. No, I I've read through them, and actually, most of them, most of them brought the same thing, and I have one thing that really, really bothers me. But we'll okay. We'll get there. Well, I was prepared to do those, and I don't have to. So we're good. <laughs> so the flight was at cruising altitude at ninety eight hundred meters when the cock the right cockpit windshield had cracks appear. The right windshield then burst and fell off. The cockpit lost pressure. The 17 circuit breakers popped out when the door slammed open and a multiple and multiple systems of the aircraft failed. When the windshield burst, the captain and the co-pilot in charge were wearing seatbelts and not their shoulder harnesses. The co-pilot's body was instantly taken away from the seat by the powerful external airflow and then returned on its own seat. <laughs> that is what it says, huh? Yes. Uh, that is a short-worded summary of what happened. The aircraft managed to land on runway 02 right at Chengdu, except I for... Was, I thought it was Cheng... It says Chengdu Shuanglu Airport. Huh. I said Changzhou for me. Anyways, yep, continue. Everyone was safe, though there were the uh, minor injuries of the co-pilot and one flight attendant. Due to a lot of failures of deceleration devices, the aircraft and the aircraft landing overweight, the tires... The tire pressure was released, is how they word it. Yeah, the tires burst. Yep. And the third and fourth main wheels melted, which are the wheels on the right side. There was there were no reports of foreign object damage. Sorry, I had to remember the... FOD. Yes, yep. FOD. There was no evidence of bird strikes or any such weather phenomenon that would cause the cracks. According to maintenance records and crews, there was no foreign object damage to the right windshield. And there was no fault visible before the incident. It just happened. It just happened. The on-site inspection found that the left windshield was damaged by more than was allowed by the maintenance manual. The Z-bar was exposed and the sealing silica gel in the lower right-hand corner was damaged. The onboard computer systems recorded the fault message 561000R windshield. In the right windshield junction box, there was debris of the inner glass, and the debris radiated in a fine net-like distribution, showing a starting point of fragmentation at a local location where the wires crossed the base of the windshield. The residual heating element of the wire showed evidence of burning. The porous micromorphology present in wire A is consistent with the electrical conductivity of a wire in a humid environment. 
There are discharge characteristics that indicate that the, an arc occurred in a humid environment in the lower left corner of the right windshield. There were obvious traces of water stains in the right windshield junction box, the C-wire nail terminal, specifically. There were a lot of corrosion products indicating that the water vapor invaded the junction box. The, uh, the these products of corrosion are only present after prolonged soaking. So this was not, like, it didn't just happen this flight. It's been there a while. Right. Mm -hmm. In the production of this type of windshield, aluminum tape is used to wrap the two-layer structural glass. There is a cavity in the edging. After the external weather seal and air seal are damaged, it provides conditions for water vapor intrusion, accumulation, and flow. Okay, here's my my favorite finding. <laughs> okay. Yes, I know which one you're talking about. Tests oh. show that this type of windshield airtight silicone rubber has a degree of weather resistance. Check the cracked sealed silica gel and found that there are turtles on the bonding surface of the sealed silica gel and the glass layer. <laughs> That's what it says. Turtles. <laughs> turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Me thinks there's another word that's supposed to be there. <laughs> and I can't quite figure out what word that's supposed what to be. What word would turtles be? I can't either. It translated whatever Chinese word that was into turtles. <laughs> Instead of whatever it's supposed Tears? to be. No, I don't, I don't know turtles. <laughs> Not quite sure. In any case, there was cracks. And they weren't supposed to there be there. There was some kind of failure of the weather seal. Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Turtles. And the tensile properties decreased, meaning it was no longer as strong. Google's just great. It's the best we could do, though. Yep. Yes. I mean, we were able to actually read most of this report. So, Which is in good. normal circumstances, we would not have been able to. Yeah, we didn't think we were going to be able to. So, there was an inspection of A320 series windshields after this. Of the 298 windshields inspected, 31 of them had water vapor intruding into the wire junction box. So, so they had turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to let this go. An infection of turtles. And they had an infection of turtles. <laughs> In all seriousness, this could have happened on another plane. Yes, it could have. Yes. Which is completely dangerous and horrifying. Yep. And this only happened a couple years ago. Correct. Yeah. A few now. Three. Yes. At present of this report, Airbus does not have a standard method for windshield insulation testing. Oh, well, that's not great. Nope. No. At the time of the A319 aircraft certification, some such document does not clearly require that the failure of the windshield heating system should be considered for the completion of the windshield structure. The impact of integrity is not considered during the compliance verification of the A319 aircraft windshield structure. So basically, it wasn't required to be checked as part of certification. The windshield heating computer cannot monitor an arc within normal operating conditions. So there was no way for them to know it was arcing. That it was arcing. Well, it's kind of hard to to do that because it, it's electricity. So, yes and no. An arcing is a type of short which can trip, say, a circuit breaker. It does not sound like that was a problem. It doesn't sound like that's something that could have been monitored or was fitted to be monitored. They didn't think that this system could short, I'm assuming. I don't or know. it didn't affect something or something. I don't want to speculate too much on that. I'll get into why they might think that. Okay, Nick, we'll get into it. In the recommendations. 
In the failure mode of double layer structural glass rupture, the A319 aircraft windshield cannot withstand the cabin pressure difference when cruising at 9,800 meters of altitude. So after that crack, there was no way it would be okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Is what I get from that. Now, the investigation conclusion. This is supposed to be like the your probable, probable cause. cause. And I'm reading this verbatim, verbatim. I'm so. sorry. Oh. <laughs> In advance. You'll I don't even I- know what it says, and I'm sorry. You'll get an <laughs> idea, another idea at least. Of what we read. Uh, yep. Turtles. Okay. <laughs> turtles. Turtles. According to the Civil Aviation Industry Standard of the People's Republic of China, civil aircraft accidents, quote, symptoms. Yeah. Quote, aircraft not listed as accidents, structure damage, or engine disintegration, including non-contained turbine engine failure, end quote. The matter... The pieces constitute a serious sign of transportation aviation. Okay. (laughs) Guys, guys, I really think this is transportation aviation. There's so many signs. Okay, I'm not done. Okay, Okay, here's the most likely cause of this incident was, which you can say it's a probable cause. The right windshield of the Bravo 6419er unit was sealed Gas likely sealed or sealed silica gel may be damaged. There's a cavity inside the windshield and external water vapor infiltrate and remain at the bottom edge of the windshield. The insulation of the power wire is reduced after being soaked for a long time. Low continuous arc discharge in a humid environment appears at the lower left corner of the windshield. Electricity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Electricity. <laughs> the local high temperature generated by the arc causes the double layer structure glass to break. The windshield cannot withstand driving. The pressure difference between inside and outside the cabin burst off the fuselage. Fair enough. <laughs> if any of you can read Chinese, the Chinese report is on the website. Help. <laughs> We need help. I would love a better translation. One, two, three, four, Internet Street, please. (laughs) We can't can't figure out what the heck that's supposed to say. Electricity. (laughs) Turtles. In in all seriousness, that's how this translation of the report went. I am astonished that the two of us were able to put this episode together. Yes. Again, if you can read Chinese, please help us figure out what. At least give us the problems. I'm sure there's other fun details that I had to leave out because I just couldn't figure out what it was trying to say. The turtles is in finding number 18. Please, what is that actually? Assist. (laughs) Please, we need help. Okay. Let's talk some recommendations, and then they have safety actions, things that actually changed. For their recommendations, their heavy, 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 heavy hitter here was Airbus. Yeah. Well, it's kind of Airbus's fault. Mm Mm-hmm. A little bit. Well, let's so talk about that. Here's here's what, based on the analysis, what I'm getting is that there was no instruction for inspection. Correct. No requirements for inspection. Correct. Actually, well, sort of. And so the airline wouldn't know to do perform maintenance and inspection on these particular items unless instructed by the manufacturer. Right. That is my suspicion. However, knowing the aviation, I don't think that's entirely true. I think there's some pieces missing here. But what we do know is something that you stated several times, which is that, clearly stated in the maintenance manual, this was beyond acceptable. This meant that Airbus knew... There was an acceptable limit. There was an acceptable limit. So no matter what, if something's beyond its limits, you contact the manufacturer and say, hey, 
We have evidence beyond acceptable limits at the windshield. Weather seal. What do we do? This turns out it can be a massive problem. There's a reason there's a limit on it. So, okay. So they, they hit on Airbus pretty hard. And there are some things, for sure, that I agree with. They said that they should improve the windshield design and selection. So just making sure that the windshield is designed better so that this doesn't happen so easily. Well, how old is the A319? Well, it depends. This one was delivered in 2011. So okay, this one so was seven years old. it wasn't super old. Yeah. Yeah, this so one was seven years old. I would, like, if it was a... And an airplane that's designed an, to last for 25 to 30 yeah, years. Yeah, so if it was an airplane, like, let's say early 2000s, late 1990s, I'd be like, okay, that's a little bit of a problem. But since it's 2011, I don't know. Uh, so, basically they want to make sure that the materials that are selected for the weather seal, all these things, that it's just designed better. They hit on Airbus saying that they should inspect the heating systems, make sure that the heating doesn't cause these problems. We do know that the heating does cause these windshields to crack, but typically it causes the external layer to crack. Right, not, not the, the internal. internal. So, and to that point, they have a change that they would like made, and they recommend this actually to the EASA, the Civil Aviation Administration of China, and to the airline operators, that... When a crack occurs, the first action that should happen is put on your mask. Yes. Put Just on your oxygen mask. Put on your oxygen mask because you don't know what's going to happen next. And on top of that, so they're saying first step should actually be fasten seatbelts. Well, yeah. Yes. Get your put shoulder harness on. Put your on. shoulder harnesses on. That's specifically so what they said. you don't flat out the windshield. That was a big thing. It was like, put the shoulder harness on, put your oxygen mask on, and then verify if it's on the internal structure. If it's on the internal structure of the windshield, it's going to go. It's done. If it's only on the outside layer, then you'll probably make it to the ground, which most of the time it is. And the windshields are most of the time pretty structurally sound, even when they shatter. They won't just fall out. But in this case, they did. And that was because of a much bigger problem. But So, primarily, their big heavy hitter is obviously Boeing, or Airbus, with the, the, the whole... <laughs> We're yes. used to saying Boeing so much. I know. <laughs> we go there. Airbus, with Airbus. their window design. And so, while the window design doesn't necessarily change, they just want it to be made of better materials, make sure that there's an inspection period, things like that. As for their safety measures... Their safety measures are primarily what did change is the fastened shoulder straps, the oxygen mask, and confirm the inside of the windshield. Also, auditing of quality control on these maintenance procedures. So, yeah, it could... if something is beyond its limits, okay, it doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do, but you know it's beyond the limits. That You shouldn't be flying an airplane with anything, especially as important as a a windscreen or windshield, when it's beyond its limits. Yep. I feel like, and to be fair, I mean, we didn't get a lot of information about maintenance at all. No. That's because this report either didn't talk about it very much, or Or it wasn't translated properly. Yes. Uh, We skipped a lot that wasn't translated properly. Yes. So, But I can tell you from reading all these recommendations and these safety actions that it's not in here. They don't talk about much about the maintenance, and I have a kind of a big problem with that because, okay, you can blame Airbus all you want, but they did say that there's a limit, and it was pretty clear that this windshield was beyond its limit. So at what point did maintenance come in and say, this is wrong, (laughs) and this is important, because obviously this is what can happen. So 
And I think there's a lot to the maintenance being at fault here that they didn't call out. Well, to play devil's advocate, okay, let's say the maintenance people saw that the weather, it wasn't, it was wearing, right? When you have an airplane for a while, it's going to wear. That's what happens to anything. Cars, airplanes, bikes, whatever. Let's say they saw it wearing, but they didn't realize that it could be catastrophic. Would they immediately address it? Probably not, right? Especially when it doesn't look like the windscreen's pulling or anything is off. It's just the sealant. Like, Right. I don't know. Again, we don't know because there's not much in the report, but... My, again, playing devil's advocate, would you think that's a big problem? Yes, no, maybe. Like, if you didn't have enough instruction from the manufacturer, would you? It's kind of a, well, we don't know, but... And I also don't know much about the culture in that region of the world in terms of accountability. Because in certain parts of the world, it would be, I see a problem, I'm or a potential for a problem, I'm going to ask someone, see something, say something. But I'm not confident in evaluating the Chinese culture. Yeah. The one thing is that they did follow all the guidelines of the ICAO and everything when it comes to doing the report, doing the investigation, everything. And they had a lot of very valid points. And it's all really important. I mean, this is, it is important stuff. The very last safety uh, action that they have in here, things that did change... They did say that Sichuan Airlines inspected their entire fleet, basically, and that they corrected any issues with any windshields, and that they have designed a way of testing to make sure that, for one, no arcing has happened, and that the windshields are intact, the weather seals are intact, things like that. So there's a lot more heavy hitting on making sure so even though so i'll I'll give them that even though they didn't call out maintenance so much there is something in place basically so that that they check it that it it won't happen happen again again. so that's the important thing right now it won't happen again that doesn't mean an aircraft windshield won't shatter ever again of course it's going to happen but it shouldn't be catastrophic no and fortunately no one died plane got on the ground and the airplane still flies it landed yes today Technically, time zones are weird. It recently landed at Chengdu. Nice. So yep. there you go. That was Sichuan? Sichuan. Sichuan. Yes, like the sauce. <laughs> no, not quite. That's Sesh. Yes, no. Sichuan. Anyways. This yes. is Sichuan Flight 8633. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Nick, for being on. Yeah. Brendan said <laughs> for you. For e- him. <laughs> e- yeah. <laughs> Also, merch is, is very close, friends. Keep an eye on the website. It's, like, probably already live by the time you're listening yes, to this. it is probably live by the time you're listening to this, based on how far Miranda got on it today. Yeah. Also, I think this week will be the week, or yes. next week. So this week we are recording our May Aviation Stories episode. Your favorite aviation stories and or your weather stories and or stories in general. If you are listening to this the day that it comes out, submit it now. Please. We're probably desperate. Please. We are. Please. Please. Oh, we didn't say hi to our new patrons. Sorry. It's been a couple weeks, friends. So you joined and we keep forgetting. So we have Morgan. Thank you. We have Jamie. Thank you. And we have Lake Lucy Murder Squad. Is that what it is? Lake Lucy Murder Mystery Guild. Okay. There you go. 
Thanks. thanks, friends, for becoming patrons. Sorry we didn't shout you out at the beginning of the episode. We're it's, a mess. Thank you, thank it's you. It's been rough. <laughs> we really appreciate it, though. We do, very much. Thank you so much. And we very much appreciate everyone listening so far. So thank you. And we hope you have a safe and healthy week. And we will catch you all next week. Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hardlandings Podcast and on Twitter at Hardlandings Pod. Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen. If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at heartlandingspodcast.com, where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions. This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo. And our logo is by Naomi from Not a Monster, Not a Boogeyman. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.